Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper, and we begin today, of course, with the shocking news delivered in the wee small hours of the morning. President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump have tested positive for COVID-19, marking the greatest known health threat to a sitting U.S. president since Ronald Reagan was shot in 1981. Both President Trump and First Lady Trump are showing mild symptoms, we're told, And now there is a growing number of positive cases inside the White House. Let me start by saying on our broadcast today that, of course, everyone here at The Lead is hoping for a full and speedy recovery for President Trump, First Lady Melania Trump, Trump aide Hope Hicks, Republican Senator Mike Lee, the as-yet-unnamed White House staffer who sits in the West Wing, and, and frankly, anyone out there who has contracted the deadly virus. But we must acknowledge... President Trump has refused to abide by his own administration's health experts about how to avoid contracting this disease. In recent months, and as recently as the the debate Tuesday night, the president has mocked those who wear masks, even though the CDC director has said masks may be more effective than a vaccine when it comes to saving lives. Wear masks like him. Every time you see him, he's got a mask. He could be speaking... 200 feet away from it, he shows up with the biggest mask I've ever seen. Serious questions have been raised about the wanton disregard the Trump team has shown not only to their own supporters by continuing to hold packed rallies with no masks required, doing this for months, but the small crowd at the debate where members of the Trump family and Trump campaign guests did not wear masks during the debate. Some Trump guests, in fact, were offered masks by a Cleveland Clinic doctor only to be turned down. Now, there is evidence of disregard for the health and safety of others even after at least some in the White House learned that Trump aide Hope Hicks had tested positive and was in fact showing symptoms. She felt ill. Even after that, President Trump flew to New Jersey where he held a fundraiser. And the White House did not alert the Biden campaign that Hope Hicks or that President Trump had tested positive, even though the Trump team's actions at the debate put the Biden team at risk. And now, again this morning, at the White House, which really, to be frank, is a potential hot zone of the virus, some of the president's advisors continued to not wear masks. We all sincerely wish the best for everyone at the White House battling this cruel and potentially deadly disease. But they continue to put others at risk, not only by setting bad examples, not only by failing in the pandemic response, but now quite literally as carriers of the virus. Exposing not just fellow officials and senators or journalists or donors, but exposing the flight crews of Air Force One and Marine One, members of the military, or the waiters and support staff at Bedminster in New Jersey. Make no mistake, 
This was not just reckless behavior. This was a demonstration of a wanton disregard for human life. President Trump, now in quarantine, has become a symbol of his own failures. What's still not clear, how many other people in Trump's orbit have been infected? But White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows conceded that some staffers knew Hope Hicks was positive before the president's fundraising trip to New Jersey yesterday, and they went anyway, potentially spreading a disease from Washington, D.C. to a different state. Let's go straight to CNN's Caitlin Collins. Caitlin, who on earth signed off on the president after close contact with somebody who has the virus and is symptomatic, Hope Hicks, who signed off and said it's okay for him and his aides to go meet other people, go meet donors in New Jersey? Well, earlier, the White House press secretary blamed White House operations for that decision, saying they are the ones who deemed it okay for the president to still go to that fundraiser in New Jersey anyway, Jake. Though typically, that's an office that typically deals with things like bad weather calls, if the president's going to take the motorcade back or helicopter back, things of that nature. They don't actually make decisions like this about whether or not the president can go somewhere. And when she was asked this question, it was notable she did not cite any medical experts who gave the president the okay to get on a plane without wearing a mask with other officials, a trip where some officials were pulled off of it. And so it is just one of many circumstances, Jake, that is surrounding this incident that is only raising more questions than it's answering. President Donald Trump is showing mild symptoms after testing positive for coronavirus early this morning. As uh, all of you know, the, uh, the president and the first lady tested positive uh, for COVID-19. Uh, they remain in good spirits. Trump and the First Lady are quarantining in the White House residence after it was publicly revealed that top aide Hope Hicks tested positive within hours of traveling with the president. Despite the uptick of positive cases in the White House, Chief of Staff Mark Meadows updated reporters today without a mask. What you have is, is a virus that is contagious, that, that certainly uh, continues to be regardless of whatever protocol we have. The president's schedule was scrubbed of all public activities and the campaign canceled all in-person events for the foreseeable future. At the White House today, aides struggled to explain why the president continued with his schedule yesterday, despite learning that Hicks had tested positive. In terms of Hope, Hope Hicks, uh, we uh, discovered that uh, right as uh, uh, the uh, Marine One was taking off yesterday, we actually pull, pulled some of the people that had been traveling in in close contact. Trump hosted a fundraiser in New Jersey that was both indoors and outdoors, where attendees were not told that he had been around someone who had tested positive. It was deemed safe for the president to go. Um, he socially distanced. It was an outdoor event, and it was deemed safe uh, by uh, White House operations. Vice President Mike Pence received a negative result today, and in a memo, his doctor said he is not considered a close contact of President Trump's and does not need to quarantine, even though Pence said he was in the Oval Office with Trump just three days ago. I can tell you I left the president earlier today in the Oval Office, and he's ready. We're ready. The vice president is still slated to travel to Salt Lake City next week ahead of his scheduled debate with Senator Kamala Harris. Word of a top aide to the president testing positive only broke because it was published in the media. The White House did not inform reporters until the president confirmed it during an interview with Fox News.
You know Hope very well. She's fantastic, and she's done a great job. But it's very, very hard uh, when you are with people from the military or for law enforcement, and they come over to you, and they, they want to hug you, and they want to kiss you, but she's a, a very warm person with them. And she, she knows there's a risk, but she's uh, young. Now, Jake, as we are learning about these new cases inside the White House, we are now told that a lower-level staffer in the press shop has tested positive. Three White House reporters have tested positive. Two of them were at that event on Saturday for the Supreme Court nominee where the president was announcing his pick. And earlier today, the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, said she got tested out of an abundance of caution after meeting with the Treasury Secretary earlier this week on stimulus talks. And her spokesperson has just tweeted that she did, in fact, test negative, Jake. All right, Caitlin Collins, thank you so much. Here to discuss CNN's Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Sanjay, we know most people, if they're going to get sick, uh, do so around five to six days following exposure. Now that Trump has tested positive and is showing some symptoms, according to the White House, although we have yet to hear from a doctor from the White House, we should note, and that is needed, a real right. doctor, not an <laughs> oral surgeon. Um, people want to know what happens next. So what happens to Trump now, assuming that he was exposed a few days ago? Yeah, this, this is really going to have to do uh, with his clinical symptoms. That's going to drive the decision making in terms of uh, what's happening with the president, where he should be. Should he stay at the White House? Uh, they have obviously facilities, medical facilities there. Or are there, is there enough concern that he needs to be in a hospital? And that's got to be a clinical judgment. And I hope that they're taking that seriously, as you're, as you're sort of alluding to, Jake. Let me put the timeline up here for you, because you're exactly right in terms of time of exposure, to time that people would develop significant symptoms requiring hospitalization if they do. Again, most people don't, but typically it, uh, it basically is, uh, as you point out, five to six days at least. After that, uh, you know, it can be a, a few weeks even, a couple of weeks of treatment that people may need if they get that sick. So you, you remember uh, with Boris Johnson, Jake? Yeah, uh, of course. He, he tested positive. I know we can show this timeline if we have that, but he tested positive. And then it was several days later, I think five or six days later, that he ended up going to the hospital. Spent a week in the hospital uh, and three nights in the ICU. So point is, you've got to be vigilant about this. You can be doing okay. You got to stay very much on top. The president's pulse oximetry, his blood oxygenation needs to be monitored even at the White House. Sometimes people can drop their, their blood oxygenation and still feel fine. But that would be an indication for the uh, for the doctors that, that he needs some kind of care. And let me be precise about what I was talking about when I referred to an oral surgeon. Uh, obviously, the president should be seeing an infectious disease expert. Throughout this crisis, the president has found other MDs, an oral surgeon who spoke at the convention. Uh, he, his favorite doctor on the coronavirus task force, Dr. Scott Atlas, is a neuroradiologist. These might be brilliant people in their field, but they are not experts on infectious disease. That's what I'm talking about. And I assume you think he should be yep. seeing somebody who is an expert on infectious disease. No, no question about it. And frankly, you know, as, as has happened historically, when the president gets sick or needs some kind of medical care, typically some of the best respective doctors in their fields come to offer opinions and help even, uh, you know, brief the public on what's going on. Uh, this has happened in the past with Eisenhower, with Reagan, um, you know, people like Rochelle Walensky or Gina Marazzo from University of Alabama. Uh, you know, these we have incredible services here and he needs to be getting hearing those opinions from these doctors at this point 
point. I don't know what's happening. We don't, as you point out, don't even know if he has symptoms. The summary that we got was a very carefully worded, somewhat opaque uh, summary yeah. of, his, of his diagnosis. So yeah, he needs to be getting that kind of care. So moving on from that, let's talk about uh, coming in contact with somebody who's sick and has tested positive and then instead of immediately quarantining, going out and spreading this potentially uh, to other people. When the White House found out about Hope Hicks, positive diagnosis before Marine One took off for a fundraiser in New Jersey, what should the White House have done? This is very clear. I mean, you know, this isn't subtle. I talked to several people, including people responsible for uh, drafting these guidelines. If you have come in contact with someone with COVID, we can show the guidelines. If you've come in contact with somebody, you need to be quarantined. Okay, you have to basically uh, treat yourself as someone who should be quarantined. And that's regardless of whether you have a negative test. Because as you know, as we're just talking about, Jake, you could develop a, a positive test several days later, but still potentially be a source of spread. So a close contact, if the president, for example, had a close contact with Hope Hicks within six feet uh, for longer than 15 minutes. The guidelines uh, from the CDC, from the public health officials, very clear at that point, you need to be quarantined. So uh, that, that shouldn't have, absolutely should not have happened. And as you point out, potentially put other people at risk. So um, we just got a letter from Kay uh, Kaylee McEnany, the White House press secretary. Uh, it's a letter from a doctor, so presumably we can believe it because it's not from her, it's from the doctor. Uh, and it says that President Trump is being treated with Regeneron. Can you tell us about that? Hmm. So Regeneron is the name of a company that actually creates a monoclonal antibody. Uh, and uh, I talked about this early this morning in the middle of the night, actually, about the possibility in someone who has minimal symptoms or even uh, you know, asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic, they could use basically giving the person antibodies. So you're giving them extra antibodies now to fight the infection. It's very interesting. Uh, there's just been really early data on this. If it is true, uh, he's obviously getting this outside of a clinical trial because everyone who's receiving this right now is in clinical trials. So it's, uh, this would be very interesting. I mean, there's three, uh, three medications that have some sort of emergency use authorization. Uh, remdesivir is one that we talked about many months ago, steroids such as dex dexamethasone, and then this idea of providing immunity by giving antibodies. So mm -hmm. this is very interesting, Jake, if this is true, to basically say that he is now, at first there's a level of concern enough that they're saying we should go ahead and give antibodies to the president to help him fight the infection, and two, that he's receiving this uh, outside of a, a, a clinical trial, even outside maybe of an emergency use authorization. I'm not sure under which guidelines he's getting it, but that would be, that'd be pretty big news, Jake. And let's talk about uh, President Trump's health. There are a bunch of Trump sycophants at a different network talking about how strong and vital and vigorous he is. Let's just call a spade a spade here. President Trump is 74. That puts him in a high-risk group. He's a man. That puts him in a high-risk group. He's clinically obese, okay? And he's showing mild symptoms. Now, we don't know his health records. We don't know about other medical conditions that potentially could put him into a high-risk group. We know smoking is very dangerous, and I, I don't believe President Trump smokes cigarettes in any way, so that's at least one plus. But looking at what we know about him, clinically obese, male, in his 70s, doesn't lead a healthy lifestyle, let's be honest. He doesn't exercise, he doesn't eat healthy. How, how is his risk? 
I mean, his risk is significantly higher than, you know, a, a young, healthy person. I mean, you know, that, that's how you sort of frame these relative risks. So if you look at the obesity alone, looking at large uh, chunks of data, you find that the, the risk of hospitalization is threefold higher because of obesity. Uh, because of his age, 65 to 74, the risk of hospitalization five times higher. So he, th there's, there's definitely concern. And as you point out, we still don't know his entire medical history. He had this strange visit to Walter Reed back in November. You know, I'm not just bringing this up because of political intrigue, Jake. That now has medical relevance. What happened there could influence now what happens now, and people should not ignore that. Having said that, you know, when you look at overall, you know, likelihood of him coming through this, um, you know, the, the chances are greater than 90 to 95 percent. You know, a mortality rate right. is still well below 10 percent, even with those risk factors. But they can't ignore this. That's the thing I'm concerned about. There's this opacity. Let's get him on a chopper. You know, let's keep him at the White House. You know, are, are they taking this seriously or not? Because when you're having a respiratory virus and someone suddenly starts to have some difficulty breathing, you don't have a lot of time at that point. So they really got to be aggressive in terms of monitoring the president. Well, I mean, to, to be to state the obvious, they have haven't taken this very seriously in all too many ways from the very beginning of this crisis, although one would hope uh, that when it hits home, uh, they take it more seriously. I want to read this. This is from the president's doctor, uh, Sean Conley. He's the physician to the president. He's a commander in the U.S. Navy. I released the following information with the permission of President Trump. Following PCR confirmation of the president's diagnosis as a precautionary measure, he received a single eight-gram dose of Regeneron's polyclonal antibody cocktail. This is what we just discussed. He completed the infusion without incident. In addition to the polyclonal antibodies, the president has been taking zinc, vitamin D, uh, famotidine, melatonin, and a daily aspirin. I guess he's been taking those ahead of time. As of this afternoon, the president remains fatigued, but in good spirits. He's being evaluated by a team of experts, and today, together we'll be making recommendations to the president and first lady in regards to the next best steps. First Lady Melania Trump remains well with only a mild cough and headache, and the remainder of the first family are well and tested negative uh, for COVID. Uh, wh what are your thoughts? Well, you know, there, there's, there's, uh, they're giving us more information here. I'm still uh, curious as to what prompted the idea of giving the president this, this very new experimental therapy, uh, polyclonal, monoclonal antibodies. Um, it, it, is, it is a way of basically trying to bolster one's immune system. Uh, everyone makes antibodies at some point in response to infection. If someone's not making enough antibodies, you can give them antibodies, which essentially is what this is. The, the, the Regeneron study, which came out just last week, uh, had 275 people in the study. Average age was 45. And what they found was that it was likely to shorten duration of symptoms and reduce the likelihood of needing hospitalization. But again, really small study, average age 45. Does that extrapolate well to the president? There is a, what I'm reading into this, Jake, there's a level of concern here. Yeah. And um, they've and gone ahead and decided to do this experimental therapy. And they're also talking about further steps, which suggests they don't necessarily think that what they're doing right now is sufficient. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. Right. And, 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 but, but I want to ask you another question uh, before, we're going to keep talking, we're going to bring in some political people to talk about things that you don't like to talk about, Sanjay. But one of, them is, one of the questions I have is, there are a bunch of people right now who are more vulnerable members of, of society. Uh, people who are housekeepers uh, at uh, Bedminster in New Jersey. People who are waitstaff uh, or bartenders uh, or caterers for the event that the president attended in New Jersey. People who are maids and butlers 
at the White House, uh, people who are members of the military and were on the flight crews for either Marine One or Air Force One. And they can't necessarily rely upon the White House to give them the straight answer about what they should be doing right now. Okay? I'm just, I want those, I want you to talk to those people. What do those people need to know? And is there a difference if they didn't come anywhere near President Trump or any of his aides, and if they did? Yeah, well, I'm glad you raised the point. I mean, first of all, uh, the idea that this is a contagious virus spreads more easily indoors. And if people are around you without masks on and now clearly have been diagnosed, there is a risk there. Uh, Many of these people, if you if you wear masks, you're often doing it primarily to protect those around you. If other people aren't also wearing masks, it a little bit defeats the purpose here. So um, I I, I can imagine there is a level of concern and anxiety and then Unlike, you know, people within the uh, White House uh, West Wing, if they can't get tested, now they're worried about taking it home to their families. So, I mean, th- this, this, is a, this is a real concern, obviously a concern that many people in the country have been dealing with for a, a long time, uh, you know, essential workers have, who have been doing jobs. But now they're in a position where clearly uh, they're not being told the information uh, of their potential exposures to the virus, and 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 that's obviously of of, of huge concern. Um, I you know I, I don't know you know if there's going to be some testing plans in place for other staff or how that's going to work, but people need to know uh, have they been exposed, and if they have been exposed, they need to be quarantined. I mean the whole point is to reduce the trajectory of this pandemic. So quarantine yourself if you think you've been exposed, so at least you don't continue to spread it to others. Go into a room if you're one of the bartenders or members of the military or uh, White House staff. Go into a room in your house, secluded from other people. Uh, don't go to the emergency room necessarily because they don't necessarily want you coming and potentially spreading it there. But call a primary care physician call an emergency room and figure out what to do. Uh, Let's bring in Abby Phillip and Ron Brownstein. Uh, Sanjay, stick around uh, with us. Abby, hours before President Trump announced his test results at one in the morning or whatever, he claimed that the end of the pandemic was in sight. He said this in virtual remarks to the Al Smith dinner. Um, Do you think this is going to change his approach to the coronavirus? Jake, I, I really hope so. I really don't know, but I really hope so. One of the things with President Trump is that he might, you know, if Lord willing, and we all hope he recovers quickly, recovers from this, uh, he's been saying that for most people, this is mild. And yes, that is that is true. And I think Sanjay can speak more to this, but it is true that for most people it is mild. But he fails to emphasize to the public the real risk that is out there that that we now face now as a nation. And, you know, President Trump's mind and his his uh, focus so much these days is on his political survival. I suspect he will try to spin this in as positive a light as possible so that his reelection prospects remain as intact as possible. But the broader imperative here, and this cannot be understated, is that people need to understand the risks that they face and the things that they should be doing. And what is going on at the White House is just a case study in how not to react when there is a case of a coronavirus within a workplace, within an organization. It is case study in how not to react when you've been exposed to someone who has this virus. And I think that until the White House turns that around, I don't think that you can expect President Trump to be the one to do that. The entire institution needs to turn around their approach to this, to this virus. And the White House is not letting us interview 
uh, health experts from the Trump administration uh, to talk more about this. They're shutting that off. Um, Ron, I have to say, uh, Joe and Jill Biden, and we're expecting Joe Biden to speak at any moment, and we'll bring that to you live. Um, Joe and Jill Biden issued statements, or, or Joe Biden did, and, and Kamala Harris did, rather, uh, expressing concern for the president and first lady and, and wishing them well. But I have to say, I was stunned to find out that neither the Trump campaign yep. nor the White House contacted Joe Biden or his campaign to say, hey, by the way, President Trump just tested positive. Hope Hicks tested <laughs> positive. Uh, you need to know that because obviously there is a risk. I, I mean, have you ever seen anything like that? You know, it, it's one of the many things in these last three years that you would say would be astonishing, except it has become expected under, you know, what we have been uh, living through. I mean, it, it would be astonishing for anyone else except for the person who, you know, said the things he did to Bob Woodward on tape and said the opposite to the country. I think this is just an incredibly revealing encapsulation of the fundamental calculation the president has had from the beginning. I mean, his priority from the outset has been to project as much normalcy as possible, whatever the public health consequences. And that has not only been in his own behavior, you know, like we saw going to the fundraiser yesterday and putting his own donors at risk and holding these rallies, but it's also through the pressure he has exerted on Republican governors in states like Georgia and Texas and Florida and Arizona to project normalcy at all costs, which has had very real consequences in governors overriding local, uh, invalidating local mass requirements, yeah. forcing people yeah. to open schools and bars. I mean, there is an attitude that we are seeing exemplified in, in the fundraiser in the, in the refusal to put on masks when asked by representatives of the Cleveland Clinic, you know, it wasn't like a press advance asking them. It was, you know, uh, officials from one of the world's elite medical institutions. It all goes back to the same route, Jake. And we have some breaking news for you now. We're now told that President Trump has a fever as part of his coronavirus symptoms. A source confirms to CNN. The source says the president has had a fever since this morning. The White House doctor previously said the president was fatigued. Uh, uh, let's bring in uh, uh, Sanjay. Sanjay, uh, so now we know a little bit more. The White House is still being fairly opaque. Uh, this is the kind of thing that you want to have the president's physician go out and answer questions from the White House, but that's not what they're doing. Uh, but we now know from sources that he has a fever and from the White House physician uh, that he's fatigued. Uh, these are classic symptoms. Uh, th these are classic symptoms, Jake, but I, I think we're seeing a, a, an increasing level of concern here. Um, you know, I mean, as you point out, because of the opacity of what they tell us, we have to kind of decipher things a bit and try and, you know, uh, read between the lines. But there is a there is an increasing level of concern. He has a fever. He has these symptoms. He's receiving now, we know, an experimental therapy. These, these monoclonal antibodies from Regeneron, it's at the highest dose. You mentioned the dose earlier, that's actually the highest dose within these trials that have been uh, given. So th th there's, to me, they're telegraphing that there is a level of concern happening here. I don't know how significant, um, you know, uh, earlier this morning, the sense was he's totally fine, everything's gonna be fine. But now we're hearing a different story starting to, to, to emerge here. Uh, the fever, the symptoms, the, the uh, antibodies. Sometimes those antibodies, you know, uh, would be administered in the hospital. So people could monitor to see if the person might have any kind of reaction to the therapy, uh, you know, given that's an experimental therapy. So um, uh, we're gonna have to keep asking questions, Jake, because I think there's something 
sort of happening at the White House now among the medical team as they're trying to figure out how to best care for the president, where to best care for the president, and what's going to happen over the next several hours and days. And, and uh, what are the symptoms that they should be on the lookout for? Uh, obviously, loss of taste and smell, that's more of a, a symptom, not necessarily something to be worried about. But that can come in, 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 right. in, uh, in uh, that can accompany uh, a, a basic desire to not, a lack of desire to eat or drink. Obviously, lack of um, uh, lung problems uh, are a problem. Oxide oxygenation uh, of the blood is a problem. What should these physicians be looking out for? Yeah, I mean, those, those are the big ones. We have a list here that we can put forth. You know, it is as far as when to sort of say, okay, now this is a trigger where someone should not be at home anymore. Uh, we're talking about, you know, difficulty breathing, um, someone developing any kind of chest pain, uh, something like that. If they start to lose um, their, that they become confused, something like that. If they have bluishness of the lips, uh, I hope that the president is receiving what's called a pulse oximetry, which is just a constant measurement of his blood oxygenation. What we know from some of the early patients that were studied, that people can have a drop in their blood oxygenation, not necessarily recognize it themselves, but that could be a huge problem. So th these are all things, again, that hopefully they're looking out for at the White House, and at the slightest hint of something happening there, they they he should be in a hospital at that point because that's where they could best care for him. And he has obviously a suite set up at Walter Reed. So I think this is going to be a decision matrix, uh, Jake, over the next, I mean, now. It may be happening right now. But a, a, a fatigue and a fever, not enough. But some of these other chest pain, difficulty breathing, uh, oxygenation issues, that's, that's the trigger in your view. I, yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, again, we're reading, you know, we have to read through the lines here. So now they're telling us fever and things. I always feel like they tell us things, you know, a little bit late and a little and with a little bit less seriousness. So if there's now, uh, you know, admitting to the, that he's having a fever, are there other symptoms? Just what are his symptoms? Has he had any difficulty breathing? Is his blood oxygenation normal? These are all very reasonable questions, and hopefully, again, I hope the White House Medical Unit is very, very diligent about monitoring these things. He's also, again, getting this experimental therapy uh, in the White House, presumably. So if that's the case, uh, are they monitoring him for any sort of reaction to that therapy? Uh, do they feel like they have everything within the White House Medical Unit to take care of a reaction to that therapy? I mean, these are serious things, you, you, you know, and obviously, again, you layer on top. He's 74 years old. He has this history, uh, uh, these pre-existing conditions that put him at higher risk. They've got to, to be very judicious here and, 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 and not, you know, in any way sort of blow this off, Jake. And Abby, um, just to talk about the political consequences of this, uh, which sounds cold, uh, obviously. And again, I speak for everybody at the lead and everybody on this panel that we hope that everybody suffering from this horrible illness uh, has a full and speedy recovery, including, of course, the president of the United States and his wife. Um, but the idea that the president, who has at various times not taken this pandemic as seriously as he needed to, and you can point to Operation Warp Speed to find a vaccine and advances in therapeutics. But as a general t tone and tenor, he has not. Uh, well, hold on one second, Abby. Here is uh, former Vice President Joe Biden hey, speaking folks. in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Before I start, let me explain the delay. We wanted to make sure that we're doing everything by the numbers. And so I uh, got two, uh, two COVID tests this morning one in Delaware and one by the former White House doc who came up and 
everything is clear. We want to make sure everything was clear before I came. You have been listening to former Vice President Joe Biden speaking live in Grand Rapids in the battleground state of Michigan after President Trump tested positive for coronavirus. Some uh, kind of a remarkable speech in many ways. Biden wished President Trump and the First Lady well. He noted he had been tested twice this morning for the virus and was negative before being cleared to travel. He, of course, had been exposed to the virus by President Trump and members of the Trump team. Uh, but no mention of that. The high road completely uh, for Joe Biden. Uh, CNN's Jessica Dean uh, joins me in Grand Rapids. A- and Jessica, uh, in addition to the fact that the president, uh, I'm sorry, the vice president took the high road and did not criticize uh, President Trump at all, only wished him well, uh, two other things struck me. One, he focused almost entirely on his economic message. And two, and perhaps speaking louder than anything else, He wore a mask the entire time. Mm -hmm. Yes, he did, Jake. He was wearing his mask. Jill Biden was wearing her mask this afternoon in her travels to New Hampshire as well. Uh, We heard him confirm that he took two tests earlier today, one in Delaware, one with a former White House doctor, both of them negative, and saying that this is not a matter of politics. Instead, this is a reminder that we have to take this virus seriously. The coronavirus and Trump's response to the coronavirus pandemic has been the centerpiece of Biden's campaign since it all started happening uh, back in in February and March. And it has been the thing they have come back to again and again. So we heard him uh, talking about that mask mandate that he's talked about before. Uh, We heard about him talking about the need for a bigger testing program. Uh, But to your point, Jake, he definitely uh, wishing the president and the first family well, uh, saying that there are lots of families out there who are battling the coronavirus and really trying to draw it back to a unified America. You heard how he closed that speech. It's something we hear from him again and again on the campaign trail, which is he doesn't want to be the president for just Democrats, but wants to be president for all Americans. Jake? It's really remarkable. I mean, honestly, if anybody could be mad at President Trump this morning, uh, it would be uh, Joe Biden and his family. And yet, not a word, not a negative word at all. Thanks, Jessica Dean. Really appreciate it. Sanjay, uh, let's go back to President Trump and his condition. Obviously, again, to underline, we all wish him well. Um, he's had a fever since this morning. He's taking this experimental drug, this antibody cocktail as a precautionary uh, measure. The doctor, uh, his doctor says he's fatigued. How serious do you think this is for President Trump? Sanjay. Uh, we're not. We're having sorry, problems. Can you hear me? Now sorry. I can. Yeah, go ahead, Sanjay. I'm sorry. How Check, serious Check. do you think this is for President okay. Trump? Well, you, you were having to sort of, you know, re- read into this a bit, Jake, because I, I still feel like there's a level of, of opaqueness that, that is coming from these statements. You know, I, I, it's, it's not still clear to me, uh, but I think there is a, a, a heightened level of concern that I'm reading now just even over the last few hours as we're hearing more about the president's symptoms. They say it was a precautionary measure to give this experimental therapy. Uh, but they did give this, this antibody therapy, this monoclonal antibody therapy from Regeneron at the highest dose. Uh, it's still experimental. I mean, the only data that we have around this is 275 patients in that early trial. So it, it is something that we're understanding was probably given under compassionate use. Uh, the president's not part of a trial, obviously, for this. So, you know, these things sort of read into a level of concern here. How is he being monitored at the White House? Uh, is, 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 are his symptoms, are they stable? Are they worsening in any way? 
because if they are, and again, I, I'll reiterate that you know the odds are very much on his side in terms of how he will do through all this, but in terms of the immediate care that the White House medical team needs to be thinking about, I think the decision tree is, does he need to be in a hospital at this point? Because the White House medical unit can do a lot of things, but we're talking about experimental therapies, things that are brand new. Uh, you, you know, you may need more resources to be able to just manage all this. So, you know, we'll see. I think that, that th there is, I'm reading a heightened level of concern here, Jake. You think that there's a heightened level of concern based on, on the experimental therapy uh, alone? And, and divulging the new symptoms, uh, things like that. You know, they, first he was fine. Now the fever all day. They didn't tell us that in the beginning. The fatigue. It's always, uh, the, the language is always, it's, it's the same sort of language that you hear when people are, uh, you know, not trying to panic people, whatever, you know, just sort of um, uh, starting to unfurl these details at you. Uh, and I get it, you know, you don't want to shock people, but I hope that with regard to this, the key is to make sure that nothing is getting missed with the president and that he is in the right place for any care that he might need. And he might be fine at the White House. But again, uh, just having covered the story for so long, listening to these press conferences so carefully, reading these memorandums over and over again, and then going back and saying, well, this is what they meant by that, even though they didn't say it, I am sensing a, a level of concern that's increasing, Jake. And Abby, uh, I mean, the president and his team have shown a wanton disregard for human life by, by as soon as they found out that Hope Hicks was infected with, and the president had had close contact with her by going to New Jersey and exposing other people to it. And, and God, I hope that other people on Air Force One that went uh, to and from the debate with him, especially Alice Johnson, whom the president pardoned, I hope they are fine and I hope they're getting checked out. Um, this is really, I mean, in addition to the shock of the president having this virus and how much everybody, uh, just as fellow Americans, are concerned about him, this is really bad, the behavior of the White House and the president as a political matter. It really demonstrates uh, something quite selfish. Yeah, there is no question about it. This is such a serious situation. So many people have been put in danger in the, the last few days. It, it, is, it really just defies uh, logic people who work at the White House, reporters, Secret Service agents, people who cleaned the White House, people who were on the plane as guests of the president, people in that room at the debate earlier this week because of the refusal of most many in the Trump entourage to wear masks in a place where that was one of the requirements for being there. There is no question about it that this is a serious crisis facing this country right now. The president is sick with a potentially deadly virus. Uh, and it, it happened because the, the White House, the Trump campaign, and everyone around this president refuses to do the basic things that we know they should do to keep themselves and other people safe. And I don't think that there can be any overstatement of that. Uh, this is the president of the United States. Their job was to keep him safe, and they did not do that. Ron, we only have about 20 seconds, but your thoughts on this historically? Yeah, the polling has been unequivocal from the beginning that one of the things Americans most worry about is that President Trump is more interested in his own interests than the country's in handling the virus. And we just add how remarkable that speech was for Biden after a pretty lackluster performance at the debate. It really showed how laser focused he is on the idea that the shortest pass back to the White House is winning those three Rust Belt states that Trump dislodged in 2016. And by doing so with an economic message aimed at blue collar voters. Yeah, and a, and a, and a nonpartisan one in some ways as well. I will see you on Sunday morning on State of the Union. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. 
And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.